Hello and welcome to the Snippets of Leadership podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another Leadership Masterclass today with yet another wonderful guest. My guest today is fully in HR, is an HR generalist. She's showing me a little heart on video right now, which makes me really happy. And is someone who has been focused for a long time on supporting leadership and on growing teams. She's also a certified coach, and she actually mentioned that it makes her happy to make sure that organizations thrive with the right people and the right culture. She's been working at Coffee Circle for the past three years in love with purpose-driven organizations. Please welcome Deborah Moschioni. Thank you very much for being here. Ciao, Edo. Thank you for inviting. <laughs> Hello. Good morning. Like, well, inviting. Maybe I should point out that I've been snapped <laughs> back into order because I invited you, then I forgot to follow up on it. And the first time I saw you, after a few weeks, you were like, hey, dude, where is the invitation? Like, where is... Oh, yeah, sure. I need to do it. <laughs> Actually, I didn't expect any follow-up after I told you that, but then you did immediately. I mean, the day after, I saw you took it personal, and there well, you go. I did. I, did. I felt so guilty, and I was fearing repercussions. No. <laughs> but, uh, all right. This is going to set the tone for this masterclass around. All right. Really. Love it. Love it. Right. But, I mean, we're, we can go for shits and giggles the whole time but i really actually want to know your professional side a bit more you know get the pro in here and just want to start right off with one direct question as in you had a lot of experience managing people in one way or another and you mentioned that you like supporting leadership so i'm interested in the traits that you see in people especially when it comes to good managers good leaders actually um is there any traits that you've seen that the best ones you have around you all share? Is there anything that just popped out your head or is it a much more personal dimension? Um, I mean, we can write long books about all the skills that are needed for, for leaders. We can talk about for hours. Um, I've been reading a bunch of also articles like recently that underline the importance of empathy, emotional intelligence and so on. Though, when I read those articles, I always question what resonates with people when they read that. I mean, of course, like sometimes people think about empathy. Okay, I'm kind of good in understanding people. That's what many people say when we talk about emotional intelligence. It's okay, like utilizing your empathy also for um, managing people. Though, I believe that the main two skills that make people successful are actually two, which is self-awareness and self-compassion. What I mean by that is self-awareness, I guess, is the key trait to be a leader without being able to recognize what our strengths and values are, and as well as identifying our own boundaries. Um, it's hard to manage other people. Um, and the core reason is that if we're not capable to manage ourselves, how can we actually lead others, right, um, throughout the whole journey? And to be able to understand how to manage ourselves, we need to first understand ourselves for what we stand for, what our values, what our boundaries. How do we react in specific situations? 
So I know that this is my trigger and said time to react this way. So I'm working towards working on my triggers, so to say, in a way that also do not affect others. Um, and by self-compassion, I mean also accepting what is the outcome of the self-awareness process, um, which basically means being compassionate towards ourselves, accepting ourselves, but not in a way that, okay, we are fantastic people, but sort of I'm aware of that and I'm taking all the mistakes that I will constantly do throughout my journey as a learning experience with putting empathy also on ourselves. So like not being into this judgmental kind of um, state of saying, oh, I did wrong, I'm a failure and so on. This is not helping yourself and is automatically not helping others. And the reason why I use self-awareness and self-compassion, even though leaders is a position that is in contact with many other people, is because we people tend to project their own selves on others. And if we don't do the pre-work before, it's going to be hard then to work with other people in the way that we wish for. Makes sense. Um, yes. And these are, I would say, the, the, the main two skills. It's interesting because of. you started mentioning, talking about empathy, emotional intelligence. And um, one of the things that I've noticed is that we always uh, think of emotional intelligence, for example, as something that has to do with how we interact with others. But a few yeah. people only take the first couple of steps, which are exactly what you mentioned. So be aware of who you are, how you're feeling, and do this kind of self-work. And in a way, I think it's something, well, I have the feeling, based on what I've seen, that it's something, of course, very valuable, but also somehow advanced in a way. So you need to put the work into it and accept that uh, you need to actually get to work and do it. So is do you do you think this is um, this is a, an obstacle for someone that approaches a managerial position, becomes a team leader for the first time? Uh, do they, in, on average, of course, see the necessity of this, are willing to do the work? Uh, is this a struggle or is there maybe even a, something else that someone approaching a leadership position is somehow struggling with at first? I mean, the, the main struggle overall when someone becomes a leader, it's uh, it's the fact or the thought that it's possible to control others. <laughs> um, it's the thought that the people that report to him or her or them have the same needs as they are. So they tend to project what is their needs and their experience and their approach to work in the people that they report to. Um, and yeah, I guess these are the main two struggles that they will see immediately. And then at the end, realizing that there is a lot of emotional work going on and why does emotional work is because of course, people come with their own package. They are not the same as you. They are not the same as the person that maybe you managed five years ago. Everybody's completely different. And even though someone might express or communicate things in a similar way, their triggers might be very different. And it's the job of the leader to create awareness around the differences among people and to be able to take care of themselves 
without being, you know, fully emotionally drained by all those differences. Um, and it's letting out control and letting people flourish by letting control like go away and accepting and like moving the work from, you know, self-awareness, self-compassion to enable self-awareness in others and be compassionate towards others also in their failure and in the fact they won't act as you wish for. They will never do. Maybe, I mean, never. Of course, sometimes they do it, but they will never do as exactly you planned in your mind. Um, yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of um, something I've been discussing some some time ago, usually when I talk about, um, especially leadership under pressure, it's uh, mm -hmm. what do you want to control? Uh, do you want to control yeah. as a manager uh, whether something has been done, whether a task that the team needs to carry out has been done? Or do you want to carry out that it's been done and that it's been done the way you want the process to go? Because yeah. a lot of times I've I had it myself when I was just starting out, people that were controlling not only whether I reached the result, but also how I follow the whole process. And that uh, that type of control just didn't didn't work out with me. Of course, I was fired afterwards, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> but it, there is, I mean, you can talk about this with a, in a lot of nuances. I mean, when you were talking about um, leadership struggles and this idea of expecting people to do as you want from the manager's perspective, I was thinking of, about self-determination theory where uh, autonomy is one of the main areas where you yeah. need to be autonomous in what you do in order to feel self-determined. I'm simplifying an awful lot, of course, but mm -hmm. that's something. And one of the things that I'm um, like while listening to you and while hearing what <coughs> you were mentioning, I was connecting to, um, let's say, conversations that we had actually had before when whenever we met or we bump into each other at HR events um, that were related more or less to mental health. Is this something that goes into that direction? I mean, it's an important topic right now. It's something yeah. that I think way too many people talk about um, maybe without having the necessary qualifications. And But it's something that we need to discuss. We need to, at the very least, recognize. Um, do you think, well, actually, what's been your experience with this so far? Because this is probably a topic you do come in contact quite often. And do you think this, is it relevant right now in organizations to improve it? And if so, to what extent and how far should an organization go? Yeah. I mean, pandemic, of course, like, um, yeah, made this topic fairly central, um, we have been having a lot of, you know, events talking about take care of your mental health, what to do and so on um, as an organization. Um, the, there is still a stigma around mental health and there is still a stigma on what this entails, uh, meaning there are many people who don't like to share, to be vulnerable at work. Um, the reason is because they are probably either they are afraid of themselves, so they are afraid even like of sharing something because there is this judgment that pops up. I'm not good enough. I failed, and it's not. Or what I'm going to say, it's it's bad. It's not good. Um, it's not going to have an output, or the other person won't understand me. Um, or even worse, which is the core also mine of the core reason why people don't share. I'm going to face consequences if I share something. 
I'm going to lose my job because I suffer of a bit, I'm a bit depressed in that moment, or I'm going to lose the job because at this moment I'm speaking up about a specific like problem. Um, and as outcome, um, there is a lot of like judgment towards others. There is a lot of judgment towards ourselves. Uh, there is way less self-acceptance. There is less self-compassion. And people tend to put, you know, their emotions in a bottle until they explode one day. And that's probably they will explode um, in different ways that can actually turn into parting ways. Um, so whether this has always been a topic inside the organization, of course, with the fact that there is, you know, there have been, we have been through a bunch of changes recently, like in the way in which we've always been operating for a while. This also like played an important role. Many people maybe could not see their families for a long time. They didn't know if you could travel. They know, you know, every time you travel, maybe you love that and it was the purpose of your life. And like every time you wanted to find happiness, you just took a plane and went somewhere. So then you can throw your frustration away. And now you are there with your frustration all the time at home. Um, and it's important that companies address it in a way. Every company is different and every company should do it in the way that fits more with the culture. Uh, and if they don't have a culture uh, around like being open, vulnerable, I guess they should start thinking about it uh, because <laughs> um, the more, um, you know, our work is going to be more automated, the more we would talk and need to explore our humanity also at work to create proper connections among people. Um, and on the second, uh, on the other side of things, if you want to look more objectively, of course, people who struggle with their mental health won't be at their best self at work. And that's like, if we really want to talk on objective way in terms of work output and what is going to happen if we don't work towards that. So, um, and I believe that companies, they should do a, both a work on two sides. One, exploring what would mean to be vulnerable inside the organization and how to create a culture of vulnerability for people to share and not to share to have face any conquest and quiz or not to share to feel ashamed of the sharing themselves, but like as a natural process in working with one another. And this is one side. And the other side is to think of tools that perks that they can give to their staff for them to be able to start helping themselves. Um, kind of free psychological, a free session with the psychological expert. I don't know, um, eventually a coach uh, inside organization, whatever that is, that could create a um, safe space for people, available, accessible, anonymous, uh, that people can use to start exploring what what could be the solutions to the way in which they feel. Um, so yes, I would say these two things, working on culture and giving perks for people to add themselves. Awesome. I mean, these two things, probably we could write probably a few books about them because it sounds yeah. easy and uh, quick to say, but once you get into it, it's probably a lot more... <laughs> complex i'm pretty sure you had experience with dealing with that and starting with passing the message and uh, i'm kind of putting myself in the shoes of uh, who is listening i mean people that are listening to this are probably of two types um hr managers like you who could drain directly of what you've heard 
but also people that are actually in leadership positions that do want sure. to get better, do want to grow. And I'm wondering, do you think apart from working on self-awareness, working on yourself beforehand and solidify or center yourself in a way, is there anything else that could be just under a manager's direct control without having to go through culture acceptance in the organization and so on that a manager could do to um, enable this type of work in the context of his or her team? Of course. I mean, if we want people to be vulnerable with us, um, it's important to take the first step and be vulnerable ourselves. Um, Meaning that if I'm struggling with something, I'm not going to be, you know, the super nice, strong leader. I'm never vulnerable about anything. <laughs> like, you know, I'm the complete rock. No, it's that's definitely not the point. Um, in a way, though, that is not fully oversharing because there is there is a tiny gap between oversharing and being vulnerable. And there people should, you know, have this kind of awareness. It's like what is necessary for the other person to know to be able to empathize with me in the specific moment to understand my situation hence i share it when it's oversharing then might also kind of how do you say um impact the relationship that then at the end like you you also go to your um team and you use them as your own psychologist and therapist okay this is also like also how do you say there is a tiny line between that um and also asking questions um, playing a coaching role as a team leader, meaning um, asking directly to the people, what is our boundaries? How are you doing? What do you actually think about this? What does make you feel? Like bringing emotions inside the conversations because they are part of us being humans. It's not that we keep our humanity outside of the door. And if our teams are not willing to share, great, then share back. Like the fact that you're not sharing makes me feel ta 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 ta. Um, the impact of what like you're going to share is actually stays here because this will help me understand la 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 la, for example. So it's wearing a coaching hat and making sure that this is a safe space by communicating what are sort of the rules of the safe space. Nothing is going to happen. This is what I'm expecting. And that is the reason why, not because I want to enter in your existence or to be your psychologist or to know everything about you, so to say. Um, yes, these are the main things. Makes sense. I mean, it does remind me a bit of, um, I mean, first of all, I, as I was listening to you, I was hearing, I was trying to put myself in the shoes of um, who could be in the situation. And I imagine that um, a lot of people do recognize the importance of this, at least more than, I'm going to say, five years ago. At least there is more awareness yeah, sure. of this type of importance. I still have the feeling that um, a lot of people still do struggle, not so much with the idea, but with making the first step. Because if you've never touched this in a... Um, in a team perspective or talking to your team members and all of a sudden you start, I think a lot of people could be taken aback from the awkwardness of the situation. And hmm. my take on this one, let me know if you agree with this, would sure. be to start working with uh, or start incorporating this into one-on-ones. 
So taking, yes. I don't know, half an hour. Okay, great. I got my answer. But <laughs> I would say take half an hour a week, every two weeks and make it a safe space. Be ready to accept feedback. Always follow the same format. There is a bunch of them online and start incorporating this. I would say um, for me, it's a very... Um, it's a very low barrier to entry in that sense. It is something that Absolutely. still needs to be done, but uh, it's still something that I think it could be very valuable in that uh, in that sense. I completely agree. When I talked about like coaching uh, and wearing a coaching hat, I actually directly thought about the space of um, the 101. I like to start establishing 101 to make people understand what is the purpose of the 101s. Like, there's also some mistakes. It's like, Bam, I just throw a 101, no agenda, nothing prepared, and now we are here to talk, um, which many people tend to do, and I'm aware of that, because they say, okay, I need to do 101s. I just set up the event, and let's see what happens, and then at the end of the day, most of your 101 is focusing on the daily operation, and you don't approach those topics. While if you set the expectation beforehand, you meet with your team member, you explain, okay, this is the purpose that I would like to have from the 101, you explain the agenda. You prepare for the agenda. You explain it beforehand. You again set the expectation. You explain your role in this meeting, which hopefully is mainly like a coaching role. This is like the most recommended one where you tend to ask questions that empower the other person to come up with their solutions and to ask questions to better understand their situation without coming there and saying, oh, no, you should do this, you should do this, because then you go back to your control and judgment sort of parenting role, which... Um, yeah, it's not much useful because we all grow, work with grown-ups <laughs> and then like create this safe space that um, where the expectations are set. And the first time you will nightly very likely to fail, but like come and continue doing it and get better. And every time like think, okay, what I can learn out of the fact that this happened during my 101 today, how can I improve it next time? And actually bring up in the next conversation the reason why you think you failed this time. And ask the other person, how can you not make these mistakes? Or like how the other person can help you not make the same mistake at last time. Because then it's a journey that it's a learning journey that is not that is mutual. And it's not, ah, now I'm here and I should know everything about how to run those kind of meetings. You know, I wish that um, I could take this video and send it back in time to a few HR managers that I have encountered along the way, and especially to my direct managers, because probably that would have had an impact on my career back then. <laughs> I think there's still a lot of people that don't know about it. And in answering this way, you have actually completely hijacked my last question. Because <laughs> now I was going to ask you what would be the first <laughs> next step that or the most valuable step that a manager or a new manager could take um, to, you know, start his or her growth journey. And at this point, I'm pretty sure I have the answer because focusing on one on ones, having an agenda, having a clear objective and incorporating some aspects of vulnerability, emotionality or just that can be as simple as how is it going how are you doing today and just showing the other person that you are listening and you're not just treating him or her just like a number that can go a long way so i think i have the answer to that question and i have just had a wonderful conversation with you deborah thank you yes. so much for being here um if 
for anyone who's listening, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. I'd be happy to keep on talking about this, but for now, I'm going to let the focus be on Deborah. Thank you so much for sharing this about half an hour of time with us. Thank you so much for your insights, and it's been great to have you here. Thank you, Edo. Thank you so much for inviting me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Lesson Thanks learned. Lesson learned. <laughs> Thank you very much. Bye-bye. So have a good Bye. day. You too. Thank you for listening. My name is Eduardo Bindazane from EBZ Coaching. I'm a leadership and communication trainer and consultant. And if you have any questions about what you've heard in this episode, please reach out to me via LinkedIn, Facebook, or my website. I'll be answering the most interesting questions on the show. And if you know someone that will benefit from this type of content, please make sure you recommend this podcast to them. Thank you and see you next time.